This is Cambridge Judge Business School's online knowledge centre with expert commentary, analysis and insights into the issues of the day. A little over a year ago, Jaideep Prabhu urged the West to look to India, Brazil and China for a new approach to innovation. Co-author of the book Jugard Innovation, Think Frugal, Be Flexible, Generate Breakthrough Growth, Professor Prabhu today admits to quiet surprise at the response to a publication which was essentially about companies operating in emerging markets. He says that what's been particularly striking is the amount of interest in the West by both smaller entrepreneurial concerns, but also larger companies innovating for Western markets. How much of that interest in Jugard or frugal innovation does he think is being driven through necessity generated by the present economic climate? Well, I think partly the reason why we see this interest in frugal innovation or Jugard innovation in the West for the West is because of the continuing the aftermath of the financial crisis and the recession. We've seen a sort of hollowing out of the middle class in North America and Western Europe, particularly Southern Europe. We see increasing numbers of people who are who have uh, lower incomes, uh, who uh, are of course a big, still a big market for Western companies. So if you see fast-moving uh, consumer good companies. Uh, like Procter & Gamble and Unilever are now very interestingly adopting uh, aspects of frugal innovation, packaging and marketing from emerging markets uh, in, in Western markets. Why is that? Simply because increasingly people are constrained. You know, they are resource constrained, or financially constrained. Um, something that is uh, you know, um, a fact of life in emerging markets is increasingly becoming a fact of life in, in the West. So people's household budgets are tighter. And as a result, uh, they begin to look a bit like people in emerging markets uh, where they're trying to get their money, uh, stretch their money as far as possible. And so one of the things that has been adopted for Western markets now is this notion of sachet pricing, where in a country like India, people in villages or even in urban slums may not be able to afford a whole bottle of shampoo and therefore, but, but can afford sachets of shampoo. Uh, you see that kind of sachet pricing and packaging uh, coming into uh, Western markets where smaller volumes are being sold to deal with the budget constraints that people have. In some respects, that's the kind of reinvention of the wheel, isn't it? In mm. that sachet pricing was here, sachet distribution was here some years ago, coming back again. Yeah, and you might argue that the period of affluence and abundance that we had for 20 odd years even in the West was an aberration and really you know there's uh, there are pressures on on resources not just financial resources there are also pressures on um, you know energy which then translates into pressures on financial resources uh, materials uh, you know resources of that sort uh, water and so you know if there's pressures on water and uh, you have uh, uh, detergents that require a lot of water, then you, there's pressure to innovate to come up with uh, water-saving detergents. So there's an environmental uh, cost as well. Are you surprised at the speed at which that has happened? You know, when, when the concentration was perhaps on the emerging markets, the developing markets, and now the West, which was rather snooty about Dugard or frugal innovation at, at the outset, is now saying, hmm, some good ideas here. And I th- you're absolutely right. I think that in the West, the speed at which this has caught on is not only because of the negative drivers. So yes, there, you know, necessity is the mother of invention and hardship does drive you to think about how you might reduce costs and make the best use of resources. But I think in the West, you've also seen a set of positive drivers of this phenomenon. Uh, the empowerment of people 
uh, in small groups with small amounts of capital, but lots of passion, to be able to do all aspects of, of innovation, uh, of the innovation process with limited resources. So, you know, that's from developing the idea, getting the idea and developing the idea to commercializing it. Uh, and I might give you an example of this. Um, uh, this is a company called Design for America, a bunch of students from Northwestern uh, in Chicago. And, uh, you know, there, when they came out of university, uh, they said, well, you don't have to go to Africa or Asia to solve the world's problems when there are plenty in our own backyard. And they said, let's apply what we've learned in university to solving some of these American problems. Let's start with, for instance, the problem of hospital-acquired infections, which in the U.S. alone kills something like 100,000 people a year, and it's a huge cost to the system. So what did they do? Um, they, three of them, four of them, went to a local Chicago hospital, talked to doctors and nurses, just observed uh, how they behaved in the hospital, and discovered very quickly, without much market research, uh, that the problem was the following. Doctors and nurses have every intention of uh, washing their hands whenever they can, but to do that, they have to go to a wall unit. And that means there are many times when they can't do this. So these students realized that the problem was quite simple. You just come up with uh, a dispenser that would uh, clip on to the scruffs of the doctors and nurses. Uh, so that was the idea. Then they went ahead and developed prototypes in their little studio with basic computing equipment and software and a 3D printer, which they could trial and they could pilot and they could you know, improve the design and so forth. And they were able to do this so frugally that they were then able to price this product quite cheaply as well at $3 a unit. So that's where they got to the point of commercialization. And then in terms of achieving scale and sales and promoting the product, they have been able to do so virally. They don't need to have a big advertising budget. Uh, they, go, they do TED Talks. They've got a lot of publicity and PR because the story is so great and frankly because there's a need. So you see that a small team with limited capital but a lot of creativity and passion and commitment with some tools have been able to do all aspects of something that perhaps a big R&D team would have had to do in the past and with a big advertising budget. Um, so I think there's this empowerment of, 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 of entrepreneurs. And then equally, I think there's a shift in the mindset of people in the West. Uh, people are increasingly skeptical of the big corporation uh, for a number of reasons, but they still believe in the power of business to make a difference in society. And I think that's where there's this positive attraction to frugal innovation, to being able to do something clever with limited resources that also has an impact uh, on society. Take you back to a word that you use twice. The word is passion. The innovators, the entrepreneurs, the people who are involved in, in frugal innovation, is that really one of their major points? They're, they're smaller teams, which you've talked about, they've got bright ideas, but they've got the passion. They're not bored. They're actually doing something that they're getting a real kick out of. I think passion is crucial to the whole innovation and entrepreneurship process, wherever you are. But particularly if you're dealing in a resource-constrained environment, where there are significant challenges, not only to developing your idea, but then commercializing it. And I think without that kind of passion and patience sometimes, it would be very hard for these, uh, these ideas to see the light of day. 
And I think that's a very important component. And just, you know, my observations of our own students here on the MBA, I find that, yes, there is still a large number who want to go into consulting and go and work in the city. Uh, but many, a uh, significantly large minority of people are interested in doing something on their own. Um, and they don't, they're not ideological about this in, this, in that they, they realize that they need to make a living, but they can also make a difference. And uh, so you see the, these hybrid forms of what might be called social entrepreneurship or social innovation becoming increasingly popular. And I think the, one of the reasons there is because it's very motivating. Uh, it's personally motivating because uh, you can make a living, but it's also you have this sense of being able to make a difference. And that's, that's another aspect of this. And I think absolutely all those things feed into passion uh, and being able to, you know, basically do a lot of hard work over a long period of time to make something work. Jaidi Prabhu, thank you very much. Thank you. This programme was produced by Cambridge Judge Business School as part of its online broadcast series.